Hello and welcome to this audio recording for the weekly research roundup for research published between the 15th and 21st of March 2022. I'm Katrina Pez, the research correspondent for the ME Association. It's been a quieter week on the research front, but there have been a number of interesting studies to read with five new ME CFS studies and eight studies on long COVID. We have highlighted two of the studies. Paper one is on cardiopulmonary exercise testing in ME-CFS and investigates the extent which exercise response is independent of ME-CFS or is caused by it. The scope of this study is that ME-CFS patients and healthy controls are matched for aerobic fitness as well as comparing without being matched. In addition, the study was large, using 215 ME-CFS patients and 189 controls. The study found a number of significant findings when aerobic fitness was matched and unmatched. Results show that ME-CFS was characterised by reduced oxygen uptake and heart rate performance, inefficient ventilation and accelerated perception of effort, RPE which is a measure of the way a person feels during exercise. What is particularly interesting is that findings when aerobic fitness was matched between ME-CFS patients and healthy controls, where many of the differences in cardiometabolic responses were removed. This shows that many of the differences usually seen in studies can be explained by the differences in aerobic fitness, so not pathophysical characteristics. Differences which still remained when patients were matched for aerobic fitness were the different breathing frequencies, ventilatory equivalents for oxygen, which is the ratio of minute ventilation to oxygen production, which refers to the number of litres of ventilation per litre of oxygen consumed, as well as the ventilation equivalents for carbon dioxide. Uh, which is similar to the calculation for oxygen, but for carbon dioxide, as well as the ratings of perceived exertion, RPE, as well as higher tidal volumes for ME-CFS, which is the amount of air that moves in and out of the lungs. In summary, these findings showed that ME-CFS is characterised by inefficient exercise ventilation. The novel approach in this study will hopefully lead the way for improved exercise testing as it is critical to distinguish between fitness efforts from those that are primary to the disease. There is a lot more which could be investigated from these findings, especially establishing the pathophysiological difference as well as any changes over time. In practical terms, these results show that tolerable levels of activity can be carried out, although caution needs to be taken to avoid post-exertional malaise, PEM, which is not explored in this study, as there is no second day of exercise testing. Paper 3 looks at extracellular vessels, EV, in severe and mild ME-CFS as potential biomarkers compared to healthy controls. EVs are small membrane-bound particles and have been shown to play a key role in intracellular signalling as well as delivering proteins, metabolites and nuclear acid to recipient cells. 
The study found that for severe patients, there was a correlation between the EVs with B cell marker CD19, which is a protein which is important in cancer diagnosis, and the platelet marker CD41, which is a receptor for fibronectin. Although due to the very small study, this finding was not consistent between all comparisons. The author suggests that these findings from the study point to potential dysregulation of B cells and platelet activation due to the higher levels found. It is a great shame that this study was so small, using only 10 patients in each cohort. The study could have been further limited by the different disease stages used, severities of illness, as well as a range of male and female patients in a very small cohort. Therefore, further studies will need a much more robust methodology to take these findings forward. You may also be interested in reading paper 5 in this roundup, which is the largest genetic ME-CFS study to date. The study suggests possible implications of TPPP genetic region. This genetic region plays a key role in myelination of nerve cells and maintenance of the cytoskeleton. This genetic region has already been shown to have important links in MS, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's disease. There has been a lot of discussion about this paper on the Science for ME forum. Thank you for listening to this research roundup. I will be back next week with the next instalment.